Here is my question for you, and then we're going to stand and we're going to pray here in just a minute and read the, the text. But my question for you is this. When Moses said, let my people go to Pharaoh, was he asking for, A, permission to go to the promised land, B, freedom to live as equals among the Egyptians, or C, a holiday? So think about it for just a minute. Chew on it just a second. And then I want to I want to ask how many of you say the the correct now don't look at anybody else when when you give your answer because I want you I want this to to come from your heart praise God But how many of you say the correct answer is A permission to go to the promised land raise your hand okay all right that's a good number How many of you say that the answer is B freedom to live as equals among the Egyptians the but they just wanted to be free Raise your hand. How many of you vote for C, a holiday? Okay. The correct answer is C. They did not, they did not, they didn't, were not originally asking to go to the promised land. Nor were they asking to even to be free. They weren't asking for their freedom. They were asking for a holiday, a vacation. Now, we're going to, that's going to be important. So what I want you to do now is stand for the reading of the word of the Lord. And we're going to look at Exodus, the third chapter, parts of it, and verse number 18, and then Exodus chapter 4 and verse number 22. I want us to try to stay focused because today, folks, this is a very, very uh, serious subject matter. And God wants to move. And anytime God wants to move, the enemy wants to distract and obstruct. That you can be sure of. But it says in Exodus, the third chapter, in the 18th verse, he said, Thou shalt come. This is God's commandment to Moses. He said, Thou shalt come, thou and the elders of Israel, unto the king of Egypt, and ye shall say unto him, The Lord God of the Hebrews hath met with us. Now this was God's command to Moses for what he was to say to Pharaoh. And listen what he said. He said, Now let us go, we beseech thee, three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. That's all we're asking for. Three days' We'll go sacrifice three days back. So basically, they're asking for about a week's vacation. That's what they wanted. That was all they wanted. And then he said, though, later on in chapter 4, this is what the Lord said. Because the Lord said, Pharaoh's not going to let you do this. And he said, so the last message that you're going to give to Pharaoh is Exodus 4 and 22. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, Let my son go, that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. 
Amen. God gave Moses two messages to deliver to Pharaoh. The first was, all we want is a vacation. The second was, because we've got this perception that they were asking to go to the promised land, and they weren't. They didn't come till later. But this, the, the second message that God gave Pharaoh was that even as small as this request is, he said Pharaoh is not going to agree to it. And he is ultimately going to sacrifice his firstborn child in a dispute over vacation time. Let that sink in just a minute. He is going to lose his firstborn child in a dispute over vacation time. And so my, my message today is the cry of the firstborn. The cry of the firstborn. God bless you. Shake hands with somebody before you're seated. Praise the Lord. I um, I began, I usually prep for Sunday service, the, the message. I, I really began to try to gather my thoughts together and put them in some kind of an organized, cohesive uh, package beginning about Friday and or Saturday morning. And yesterday morning as I was working on this, I thought to myself, well, Lord, you know, it's not, it's not the kind of message that I preach a lot. And I just, I, I said, well, Lord, you know, it's kind of, kind of odd, kind of different. And, um, but I felt very strongly that the Lord wanted me to go ahead and to preach this. And so, so I put this together yesterday morning, even with some, some, you know, sometimes like I, I was kind of, I, well, I was joking with the leadership yesterday when we had our meeting yesterday afternoon that sometimes God tells me to preach something and I say, well, are you sure? And that, 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 that does happen. But let me, let me just give you the sequence of events here and kind of show you. We, we've already seen the two things that the Lord told, Mo, uh, told Moses to say to Pharaoh. The first was let my people go that they may sacrifice to me in the wilderness. We just want a vacation. We want a religious holiday. That's all we want is a religious holiday. He said, and he's not going to listen to you, and so then you're going to tell him that because you won't let my firstborn go, I'm going to kill yours. That's what he said. And so following this in chapter 5, and I want to walk you through the sequence of events so you can see how this builds up. But in chapter 5, Verse 1, it says, And afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. This was exactly what God told him to say. It was very simple. was very straightforward. And Pharaoh would not agree to it in spite of the fact that it was a seemingly small thing. And so what the Bible says happened, first of all, is that the river... God sent some plagues on Israel. How many of you remember reading about that when you was in Sunday school? The ten plagues, right? And so the first plague was the river was turned to blood. And the scriptures tell us that this had no effect on Pharaoh, didn't affect him at all. He said, hey, my magicians can do that. No big deal. So then the next thing was that God sent frogs. And for some reason... 
Even though the river turning to blood would have been horrifying to me, the blood didn't bother Pharaoh too much, but the frogs did. And so the Bible says that Pharaoh agreed and said, if you will let, if you'll get rid of the frogs, Moses, I'll let the people go. And so Moses cried out to the Lord. The frogs were removed, and then Pharaoh changed his mind. said, nah, now that the frogs are gone, I don't think so. And then there was lice that came after the frogs. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you've ever had lice. I have. I was always taught it's not a shame to get it, it's a shame to keep it. That's what I was taught. But the lice, the lice had no effect on Pharaoh. Then there were flies that came along. Now listen, now listen carefully what Pharaoh agreed to do when the flies came. Pharaoh's tried to negotiate. He said, how about this? I'll make a deal with you. He said, how about I just let you offer up your sacrifices right here in Egypt? What's all this nonsense about going three days into the wilderness? Why don't you just do it right here? Whatever you got to do, do it here where I can keep an eye on you. And so Moses, the Bible says, Moses rejected the counteroffer. He said, listen, if we try to offer up our sacrifices here, uh, you know, we offer up sheep. Sheep are an abomination unto the Egyptians. If we offer them up, they'll stone us. We can't do that. So then Pharaoh tried to counteroffer again. And he said, tell you what, he said, I will let you go into the wilderness. Okay, if you, if you insist you're not going to do it here, I'll let you go into the wilderness, but I don't want you to go too far. So how about instead of that whole thing about three days journey, how about you just go just right where I can still keep an eye on you? But listen to this. Listen to this. Moses accepted that deal. Some of y'all getting, uh, getting an education right now, aren't you? The problem was Moses accepted the deal, and then after Moses accepted the deal, Pharaoh went back on the deal. And Pharaoh said, you know what? I changed my mind. I don't think I'm going to let you go at all. And so then there was disease that was sent on the livestock, on the cattle, and on the sheep, and all, all the things that didn't have any effect on Pharaoh. Then there were boils, boils on their bodies. Boils that were filled with pus and boils that were just itchy and nasty and terrible and boils that, that, were, that were, were bad. No response from Pharaoh. Then there was hail that came down from heaven and the Bible says that fire ran along the ground. Now, more than likely he was talking about lightning. Fire, hail and fire mixed together. And for the third time, Pharaoh agreed to let him go. And for the third time, Pharaoh went back on his word as soon as the hail and the fire stopped. So then Moses said, well, the next plague is going to be locusts. And this is the funny part. The, the, the servants of Pharaoh went to him and said, listen, king, we, we love you and all, but you got to let these people go. They're destroying, this is destroying our land. We've lost our, we've lost our livestock. 
We've lost, our water's been turned to blood. We've dealt with flies. We've dealt with lice. We've dealt with all of these things. They said, please let them go. And, you know, they said, listen, the, the, the leaders of uh, Pharaoh's assistants, his advisors or whatever, said, listen, they said, letting them go and worship in the wilderness is not going to be that big of a deal. And so what did Pharaoh do? Pharaoh called for another meeting with Moses and Aaron. Now, this is, listen what he said. After Moses threatened the locusts, Pharaoh called for another meeting with Moses and Aaron, and he said, I want to know who needs to go do all this sacrifice. Who do you want to take with you? And Moses and Aaron said, we want to bring our families, our wives, our children, our livestock. We want to bring everything. And Pharaoh refused. And he said, I will let the men go, but I won't let anybody else go. Moses said, no deal. The locusts came. Again, Pharaoh repented. Again, after the locusts were gone, Pharaoh changed his mind. Do you see what's going on? We got a back and forth going on here. And then there was darkness. The Bible said the darkness was so thick that you could feel it. And again, they met together. And again, Pharaoh made a counteroffer. He said the whole family can go. But he said, but the livestock, the sheep, the cattle has to stay. So he's trying to negotiate. Moses is negotiating, and they're, they're, they're offering and counteroffering, and Moses rejected the counteroffer. Moses said, we've got to have our livestock for our sacrifice. And finally, we're ten chapters and nine plagues into Exodus, and Moses has not delivered the second message yet. Because remember, the first message was, let my people go that they can offer to me a sacrifice in the wilderness. And Exodus 10 and 27 says, read it, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he would not let them go. And Pharaoh said unto them, listen, listen to this. Pharaoh said unto him, that's Moses, get thee from me, take heed to thyself, see my face no more. For in that day thou seest my face, thou shalt die. In other words, Pharaoh said, I am tired of negotiation." I am done. I am through with this back and forth nonsense. I am Pharaoh. I am king over all of the Egyptian empire. If I see your face again, you're a dead man. And Moses said, Thou hast spoken well. I will see thy face again no more. And Moses said, Thus saith the Lord, about midnight will I go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of beasts. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be like it any more. And he went out from Pharaoh in a great anger. And as, as I'm sitting here reading this and thinking about this story, I think to myself, and most of you probably think of it this way, everything was almost comical up to this point, wasn't it? I remember the pictures when I was in Sunday school. Of the, the Sunday school teachers would show us the pictures. and We kind of laughed about the flies. We thought the frogs were funny. 
the lice was humorous. Everything was a big joke up to this point. But things aren't joking anymore. Up to this point, none of the plagues was really life-threatening, but there was this back and forth, this game, this cat and mouse negotiation between Pharaoh and Moses, and Moses is, is, is asking for something, and Pharaoh's counter-offering, and Moses is accepting, and then Pharaoh is reneging on his offer, and they're back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But by the end of chapter 10, something has happened, and it's not a game anymore. And everything has turned deadly serious and Pharaoh has grown tired of the game. And it was Pharaoh, not Moses, that chose to cut off negotiations. It was not Moses. It was not God. It was Pharaoh. It was Pharaoh that chose to walk away from the negotiating table. It was Pharaoh whose attitude changed in all of this. And the Bible said that God spoke to Moses while he was standing there in the presence of Pharaoh and said, now is the time to give him the second message. And he went out in great anger. Did Moses just think that maybe, maybe he was angry because Pharaoh's last chance he had just squandered you know, I, I, be, I believe, I, I don't know if you have, how many of you have ever seen the, the cartoon, The Prince of Egypt. I, I, it's one of my favorites. I loved it. But you know, Moses grew up in Pharaoh's household. And the Bible said earlier that Moses was able to go back to Egypt because the Lord told him that everybody that sought your life is dead. So more than likely, when Moses went back to Egypt, the Pharaoh that's sitting on the throne is probably the son of the guy that he used to be under, and this is somebody that was like a brother to him. Which is why he could go before him time and time and time again and say, let my people go. Pharaoh had the power to just wipe him off the face of the earth. But Pharaoh tolerated it. And Pharaoh would not punish Moses but now the brothers come together or half brothers whatever they were and now Moses is angry because he's looking at this and he's saying to himself why are you doing this this does not have to end this way you would think after everything that Pharaoh had seen, after all the plagues, after everything that he's experienced, you would think that everything that Moses had promised had come to pass, that Pharaoh would say, wait a minute, did you just say my firstborn is going to die? Did I just hear? Because you promised me that the water would turn to blood, and it did. You promised me that there would be flies, and there were. You promised me that there would be frogs, and there were. You promised that there would be hail, and it was. Darkness, locusts, you promised all of these things. And now Moses is making the promise that your firstborn child is going to die. You would think that Pharaoh would swallow his pride and give the Israelites their vacation time. You would think. You would think and that he would not take a chance with his firstborn child in a silly little argument over vacation time because that's what this was 
up to this point. A holiday. And I started thinking about how there are people, we can see parallels in the church today. There are people, some, that they play church for years and years and years. They attend church, but they never really get serious with God. It's like Moses and Pharaoh. They never go to an altar. They never repent of their sins. They never submit to the waters of baptism in Jesus' name. They love the music. They love the people. They're friends with the people in the church. They're friends with the pastor and his wife. And Moses was probably on a first-name basis with Pharaoh. And all of this is good and all of this is fine, but someday you have got to get serious with God. And some people get the Holy Ghost, but they allow their relationship with God to stagnate. And it becomes just another social gathering for them. And church is just a social club, and they clap their hands, and they sing, but on the inside, they are dead. And God, hear me, folks, God is only going to tolerate this for so long. Do you think that a preacher likes to preach things like this? Some may. I don't think that Moses enjoyed it. When he stood in front of the, the, the man that he probably grew up with. I don't think his anger was anger. So much at, at, at uh, Pharaoh as it was anger at the fact that this is somebody that I care about and he's about to sacrifice his firstborn son over a stupid argument over a holiday can you imagine if I knew that my brother David was about to do something stupid I've gotten angry with him before he's gotten angry with me before our anger wasn't over the fact that we don't love each other. But my anger and his anger is over the fact that you're doing something stupid. And it's going to cost you. And I love you and I care about you. And I don't want to see it happen. And Moses stood before Pharaoh. And he was thinking to himself, all we want is a three-day journey into the wilderness to sacrifice. And you're willing to sacrifice your firstborn child to keep us from having that. And you see, when it comes to the house of God, there are people that go through the motions and they clap and they sing and they play. I'm telling you, the, the, the devil does not want this message to get out today. But they, they will clap and they will sing and they will sing and they will shake hands and they will fellowship and all of that is well and all of that is good until one day the pastor, the preacher has no choice other than to preach the word of God exactly like it's got to be preached and then they get mad. And they storm out in a huff. They storm out. They get upset because the Word of God cuts them one day. The Word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And it becomes a situation of, Pastor, preacher, I loved you as long as we were just fishing together. 
I loved you as long as we were just fellowshipping together. I loved you as long as we were just, just enjoying one another's company. But how dare you take it from that social level and take it to the level of seriousness where you're warning me that my soul is in jeopardy. And there are so many people that are like this that are willing to sacrifice. You see, the firstborn in this relationship, I believe that the firstborn is symbolic of your relationship with God. And there are some that will sacrifice their firstborn over something as trivial as vacation time, some insignificant argument, some minor little hurt in the church. They'll throw their firstborn away over a triviality. They don't like it when the word is preached and it cuts. I've got a song on my playlist that I like that, that I, I, I play on a regular basis. It's crazy. I know some of you have never heard of it. It's a Christian Celtic Irish group. I don't even know what their name is. But I listen, I, I, I'm the kind of person who I actually usually listen to the words of songs. Some people don't, but, you know, and I, I always like something that's a little different, a little eccentric. And they sing a song that I really like. The title of the song is, I'm not dude, I'm dad. What he says. I'm not dude, I'm dad. I'm not dude, I'm dad. One day you'll be glad. I'm not dude, I'm dad. I'm not dude, I'm dad. And he basically says in the song, I don't care. I don't care what other parents do because I've got a heavenly responsibility to be your father. And that takes precedence over everything else on earth. And sometimes it comes that in the house of God, that the word of God, we want, we want all the benefits, and there are so many benefits of being a part of the body of Christ. And I'm thankful for those benefits, but those benefits can never outweigh the fact that we've got to have the word of God preached to us in an unadulterated manner. We've got to have somebody willing to tell us the truth. We've got to have somebody who's willing to walk out in a great anger. We've got to have somebody who's willing to get angry sometimes. Amen. And, and you know, I, I, I think about the story of, of Samson. That's another one that's kind of funny sometimes. We read about the story of Samson, and we, we kind of laugh at some of the things that he did because, after all, he told riddles, and he was a funny guy. He, he, he was the kind of guy that liked to play practical jokes. He tied some firebrands to the tails of some foxes and set them loose so they would burn up the, the crops of the Philistines. It's pretty funny. He, go, he, he went and he stole the doors of the city one time when they were trying to trap him so they could capture him. He stole the doors and went off with them. And even, even when, he, when he was playing around, playing games with Delilah. The Bible said that, that he told Delilah when she asked, what is the source of your strength? That he said, well, the first thing he said, if you'll just bind me with, uh, with three remnants or seven green remnants of ropes, uh, just, you know, just to cast off of the ropes, that's what it'll take to hold me. And so she bound him, and, and, and then he broke through him, and, and then she got mad at him because he didn't tell her the truth. And then he said, well, why don't you bind me with some new ropes? 
ropes that have never been used by anybody else. And so they tried that, and that didn't work. He broke through them, and, and he's laughing, and it's all a big joke, and he's having a good time. And then he says, he starts playing with fire here, see? Because he's getting closer to his hair. And he says, I tell you what, if you will just weave my hair into a weaver's beam, that's what it'll that's what'll cause me to lose my strength. And so she tried that and that didn't work. And but then the game turned deadly serious because Samson threw away his strength for the company of a woman. And he said, if you cut off my hair, I'll lose my strength. And I'm going to tell you what. When he found himself blind, his eyes having been put out, and he found himself as a slave in a Philistine grinding mill, day after day after day, grinding meal, blinded. It wasn't a joke anymore, was it? It wasn't funny anymore. He wasn't thinking about tying foxes' tails together anymore. He wasn't thinking about stealing, about stealing uh, 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 the doors of the city. None of that was, was uh, on his mind anymore because he threw away everything over something trivial. The parable of the fig tree in Luke chapter 13 it says, he spake also this parable, a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then had said he unto the dresser of the vineyard, behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it or fertilize it. And if it bear fruit, well. And if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. For three years God came looking for fruit on the vineyard. That's the owner. For three years he found none. It was sucking up fertilizer, sunshine, water. It was taking up space in the field that could be used by other plants. And so he said, cut it down. But the dresser of the vineyard, you know who I believe the dresser of the vineyard is? The dresser of the vineyard is the pastor that says, you know what? I still believe in this person. Let me try one more year. I, I think if I preach the right message, maybe we can get them to an altar. I feel like, I think that we can win this person. I'm not ready to give up on them yet. But you know what? This is where the parable ends. It ends, Jesus never tells us what happens to the fig tree. It ends with the dresser saying, if it bears fruit after the next year, good. And if not, then you can cut it down. If it bears fruit, then we'll keep it up. But if not, then you can cut it down. Was it ever cut down? We don't know. Did it ever bear fruit? We don't know. What I'm saying to us today is there are some people that have been playing games for too long with God and you need to understand that you may be in the third year and it's time to wake up and realize that there is a Moses trying to warn you that the firstborn are going to die if you don't get your act together. Mm. Isaiah, the fifth chapter. 
My well-beloved hath a vineyard and a very fruitful hill, and he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine. Everybody say the choicest vine. Built a tower. Everybody say tower in the midst of it and also made a wine press. Everybody say wine press. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes and it brought forth wild grapes. The vineyard was in a very fruitful hill. We can never excuse ourselves by saying that we're not in a fruitful place. We've got an opportunity to bear fruit. We've got good ground. We've got a good church. Can you say amen? We've got good people in this church. If you can't live for God in this church, it's nobody's fault but your own. He said he fenced it. In other words, he built a protective wall around it. He got the rocks out of it. He planted the choicest vine. The the New Testament, a vine is symbolic. Amen, a vine is symbolic of Jesus because Jesus said, I am the vine and ye are the branches. He said he planted the choicest vine. He built a tower to watch, uh, watch over it because the name of the Lord is what? A strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. He made a wine press. Somebody tell me what wine signifies in the New Testament. The Holy Ghost. He said that he made a wine press so that it could produce some wine and he looked for it to bring forth grapes and it brought forth wild grapes or it brought forth a substitute, an imitation. You know something? Not everything that speaks in tongues is of God. I like what old Sister Bunch used to say. Lady I used to minister to in Ocean Springs. She said she heard somebody speaking in tongues one time and she said it didn't have that Jerusalem ring. Hello? There's an imitation. How many of you understand there's an imitation grape out there there's a wild grape out there something that wants to masquerade as the Holy Ghost but you know what he said look at what he said in verse number 4 what could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it wherefore when I looked at it should bring forth grapes brought it forth wild grapes I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard I will lay it waste I will command the clouds that they rain no rain on it what a horrible awful warning this ought to be to us that when God says I'm going to rebuke the clouds of rain on your life That ought to be our greatest fear today. I could deal with a lot of things, but Lord, don't rebuke the rain. Don't rebuke the clouds of your spirit. And so I want to ask you where you are today. Are you like Pharaoh, growing tired of the warnings of God? Are you a little sick of the preacher who keeps trying to preach to you? Are you at a place where you're ready to say, I don't want to hear it anymore. Get out of my face. Don't bother me again. Because I can tell you, if you are like that, if you're like that fig tree that's in the third year of not bearing fruit, and God says, enough is enough, 
days of negotiating are over. If you're like that vineyard that's been planted in the fertile ground where God says enough is enough, I'm going to lay it waste. I'm going to command the clouds that they rain no rain on it. When you've been given every opportunity, every opportunity to bear fruit, you better be careful because you can hear the cry of the firstborn in the distance. I know I told you I was a little uncomfortable preaching this. We talked a little bit about it Thursday night in the Bible study. If you think I'm bad, John the Baptist said, you're a generation of vipers. Jesus said, you serpents, you're like whited sepulchers or tombstones or graves. Jesus said, you children of the devil. You are like your father, the devil. He was a liar from the beginning. That's what Jesus said. Stephen said when he was preaching to him, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised. Paul said, you're full of all subtlety and all mischief. Thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness. What are you trying to say to us, preacher? I'm trying to say to us that if they preached it like that back then, and you get to a place today where you say, I don't want to hear, you are in danger of being in the night before the firstborn. It's time to stop playing games. I said it's time to stop playing games. Somebody said, who are you preaching to, Brother Crocker? I don't know, and I don't care. I told the leadership yesterday, I said that, that, that I, long ago I learned the hard way. Don't come to church with a sermon loaded for somebody. I only know that I've got to obey the word of the Lord. And God is saying somebody needs to stop playing games today. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me? Oh, I surrender all. that wants to come to these altars today anybody that's tired of playing games with God in your life anybody that heeds the warning of the word of God not because I preached it but because it's the word of God anybody that wants to, to move anybody that doesn't want to reach that place where the rains are stopped in your life anybody that wants to surrender everything Hallelujah. You've been holding back. You've been playing games for too long. Oh, but preacher, what will people think about me? 
No, you've got to get beyond that. You've got to get beyond that. You've got to get beyond that. Is there anybody, anybody? I know some folks need a closer walk with God. I know there's more than those that are up here right now. I know we need a closer walk with God. <laughs> to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Come on, I know there's others that need to pray. I don't feel like cutting this off just yet. Somebody else needs to respond. Amen, amen. Oh, I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Come on, I know there's some others that need to come. Amen. Why don't you come and pray with somebody? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you feel like you can help somebody, if you feel like you can be a blessing to somebody, if you feel like you can be an encouragement or an admonishment to somebody, why don't you come? Hallelujah. I surrender all. Why don't we all find ourselves a place up here around the front? Hallelujah. We got folks that need to be prayed with. Oh, to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender.